This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the channelnomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelnomics. Hi, everyone. I'm Larry Walsh. Welcome back to Changing Channels. I was recently asked my thoughts about the channel's long tail, the mythical amorphous collection of partners that are low value and low contributors on an individual level, but generate a large sum of revenue in the aggregate for vendors. There's always been a debate about the true value of the channel's long tail. Is it a treasure trove of untapped opportunity, rich with partners that, if nurtured, can have the potential for high performance? After all, these opportunity partners receive few incentives or support, so by definition, they should be the most profitable partners in any vendor's channel. Some see the long tail as a mirage that vendors chase in pursuit of growth that never seems to materialize. Yes, the long tail has diamonds in the rough, partners in the making that just need time to develop, but the long tail is replete with transactional partners that don't ever move off the mark. I have my own thoughts about the nature and viability of the long tail, and as you can probably guess, they're complicated. So let's jump into my seven things you need to know about the channel's long tail. Number one, the 80-20 rule comes from our favorite Italian mathematician, Pareto, and it's a common misconception that the long tail ratio is 80-20, meaning that 80% of the revenue flows through 20% of the top performing partners. If this were the case, the long tail is 80% of the partners that generate 20% of the revenue. In reality, the ratio is much more skewed, more like 95-5. You know, we see this all the time in channel nomics when we're assessing channel programs, that around 5% of the partners generate almost all the revenue. Understanding the ratio is important if you want to gauge the true potential of the extended channel community. The 80-20 ratio is so generally accepted that it leaves many channel leaders and decision makers with the wrong idea that a greater number of their partners are more productive than they actually are. And that's not all there is to know about this ratio either. The 80-20 rule applies to top, top partners too. Some vendors try to throw off the channel performance ratio by counting only the top performing partners or those to qualify as top tier players. You know, the diamonds, platinums, gold, silvers of the world. In many cases, counting only these kinds of partners reduces the total number of active partners by about 75%. That being said, even, and even this accounting isn't enough to break the channel programs. Usually not counting the registered or authorized partners only results in a partner performance ratio being right around, you guessed it, 80-20. Number two, the long tail isn't uniform. Now, by definition, the long tail is a collection of partners that decline in productivity, and by productivity, I mean value or revenue contributions to a vendor, the further down the list you go. Some people don't think of it that way. In truth, the long tail isn't uniform and it isn't always positive. In some channel programs, up to a third of the long tail partners are actually posting negative revenue, meaning that they're returning more product than they're selling. Just remember this, is that when you look at the long tail, the further down the list you go, usually the lower or the declining the value, the time of the value increases. In truth, the long tail isn't always uniform and it isn't always positive. In many channel programs, up to a third of long tail partners are actually posting negative revenue, meaning that they're returning more product than they're selling. The important thing to remember is that the further down the long tail you go, the more the value of the partner declines. Number three. Now, you'll hear people say this often that the long tail doesn't cost anything and generates higher per deal margins because these partners receive lower discounts and less support. Well, that's not necessarily true. 
Long tail partners do receive discounts. They, the vendors do have fixed costs and because many long tail partners receive access to automated resources such as partner portals. And vendors do pay distributors handsomely to support these partners. Even if you say these costs are nominal compared to the money spent on partners that receive high margins and support, it's looking past another truism. Vendors will always chase a good deal. If a long tail partner brings in a large opportunity, vendors will make exceptions, invoke non-standard pricing and apply resources to win that deal. This happens more often than people think. Number four, many partners acknowledge being a small business or not being a top performer in a channel program. That doesn't mean that they necessarily know or understand that they're in the bottom four-fifths of a network, which is a whole different circumstance. No one wants to think of themselves as small or underperforming. Instead, they see themselves as successful businesses that generate revenue and profit, regardless of their actual contributions to a vendor. In fact, the average partner earns less than 25% of their gross revenue from vendor product sales. Yes, the products are a means to the end for partners, other revenue generating services, and those services, managed and cloud services, particularly professional services, generate much higher margins to the partner than the product sale of a vendor does. Regardless, partners see their sales as making a positive contribution to a vendor, and that deserves their recognition and appreciation. Number five, an underperforming partner for one vendor could be a superstar in another vendor's program. We see this all the time when assessing partner performance in channel programs. You'll more often see partners show up at the top of one vendor's list and at the bottom of another's. Seeing a partner as a top performer with another vendor doesn't mean they could or will be a top performer with you. Many factors go into a partner's decision to commit resources towards a vendor, making it a go-to-market priority. Getting a partner to do that universally is a practical impossibility. Number six, stimulating the long tail cost top performing partners. From time to time, vendors will get an idea for applying attention and resources to the long tail to stimulate its revenue production and by definition growth. And why shouldn't the long tail thrive? Long tail partners have customers and a vendor will double its revenue for each long tail partner that sells just one more unit than normal. Unfortunately, stimulating the long tail does cost more than, more than it can return overall. Plus it takes away opportunity from top performing partners since it will impact the total adjustable market and any downstream simulation of the long tail will divert opportunities away from the partners that consistently deliver revenue. While some will argue that long tail partners are more profitable because they receive less support and incentives, stimulating the long tail, even when successful, doesn't result in much of a difference on an individual level. The effort to get a small partner to expand is often equal to that of a, of a performing established partner. Even when successful, the law of small numbers apply. A large change based on a small number still results in a small number. And number seven, vendors are partly responsible for the long tail's existence. Well, this should come as no surprise. There's no avoiding the channel's long tail, but vendors' long tails are often larger than they have to be. As mentioned earlier, many vendors will count only their credential partners when, when calculating their channel performance, and that's an internal practice. Externally, vendors love reporting the large number of partners they have, even the long tail partners. Many vendors will support, if only through lip service, long tail partners because they don't want to lose even the little revenue that they generate from them, and they don't want negative press from disgruntled resellers. This leads to vendors creating policies, programs, and distribution relationships that support underperforming partners in the long tail. And let's not forget that anytime you talk about support in a channel initiative, you're talking about a vendor that ends up spending money. 
Now, these truisms aren't to say the vendor should dismiss the potential or the value of the long tail. But having a better understanding of the long tail's composition and dynamics will help vendors make better decisions about partner programs and strategic development initiatives. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please tune in again when we discuss more issues and talk with some of the, some of the industry's leading thought leaders. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics, with the support of our production team at Modern Podcasting. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of, and Changing Channels is copyright by, 2112 Enterprises, LLC.